Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. It is. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, this coming month, my con- I'm gonna be, there's going to be a video version of my conversation with Chris Power. Uh, I had that on the podcast. I had Chris on the podcast, was it a week ago, two weeks ago? I can't remember. But real interesting guy. That was a great conversation. So the video version of that is going to be up next month. You can check that out at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Their conference is coming up. Yes, it is in September. It'll be virtual this year. Uh, still. And so, uh, you know, no matter where you are, you can attend and I recommend you do. Yes, I do. You can learn the craft, gather with other writers, pitch your book, all the good stuff you can do at writers conferences. So go check it out at pnwa.org. Speaking of um, writers conferences, I'll be teaching an all day. Everyone has what it takes workshop at the upcoming summer writers digest conference which is uh, they didn't want it to be but it's going to be virtual we just couldn't sneak it in what with all the complications so but i'll be doing that virtually so wherever you are yes you can come take part yes you can and i hope you do uh that's the writers digest uh summer it's in july middle of july go check it out i want to thank david uh, rocklin for inviting me to be a part of rorschach uh, this past sunday a great little reading um, thing he's been doing down there for oh in LA for a long time. We did it virtually this time, but I actually this was a full circle moment for me. I read at Rorschach, which is a reading session uh, series he does, different authors and artists, and I read what was the first part of a memoir there uh, seven or eight years ago. What would eventually the memoir would eventually become? Everyone has what it takes. So it was great. I got to come back read an excerpt from Everyone Has What It Takes with some poets and a memoirist. It's a lot of fun, and I want to thank Laura Munson having me on her Haven Nest yesterday. We had a great conversation with all her nesters, her writers who gathered virtually to talk about writing and all that it takes. And uh, I highly recommend, if you're not familiar with Laura Munson, she's been on the show. She's great. She does her Haven retreats, her Haven Nests. Some are live, some are virtual. Check out Laura Munson can't go wrong. If you're looking for some good retreats, good teacher, Laura is, uh, she's as good as they get. Okay. Hey, we got a good one for you today. Yes, we do. Ellen Burkett Morris. Oh, I hope I pronounced that right. I didn't ask her. Burkett. I'm going to guess it's Burkett. It just feels like it. We'll check with her though. Ellen is the author of Lost Girls, a collection of short stories called, quote, a varied set of tales from a skilled practitioner of the short form. And she is that. Kirkus Review said that. Her fiction has appeared in Shenandoah, Antioch Review, Notre Dame Review, South Carolina Review, and Santa Fe Literary Review, among other journals. She is a winner of the Bevel Summers Prize for short fiction. She is also a recipient of a 2013 Al Smith Fellowship from the Kentucky Arts Council. Her poetry can be found in Surrender, a chapbook by Finishing Line Press. And she's got one forthcoming from a chapbook called Abide from Seven Kitchens Press. But she is here 
with us now. Yes, she is. Ellen. Welcome Hello. to the show. Hi. Hello. How you doing? It's so good to be here. Doing great. Doing great. Really excited to be talking about writing with you today. Is it Burkett? Burke, I should have asked you before, and I forgot. It is didn't... Burkett. It is Burkett. Ah, you, did, right. you did just great. Yeah. I thought maybe so. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, you know, there is a kind of uh, traditional arc for the, I'm going to call you a literary writer. I hope you don't mind that, Alan, but I think that's what you are uh, if you're going to be categorized. And uh, sometimes it involves poetry, sometimes it doesn't, but it often involves a bunch of short stories. They get published and then collected, and then a novel follows. Uh, I'm not going to get to that yet. Uh, was there an MFA in your past? That's often a big thing. Was that, Were you a part of that? There was. Yeah, there, there was. was. There was a lot. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. There was a lot of writing and, and, and some writing workshops and then a decision to pursue an MFA with the hopes of really building a community uh, outside of my actual geographic location, which is Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. We have a Spalding, uh, Spalding University MFA program, and I thought, well, the last thing I'm going to do is drive down the street where I'll sit right. with people I've known my entire life. And so <laughs> I signed on to go to Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina, a program okay. run by Fred Lebron, uh, populated largely with faculty who were among his fellow uh, his fellow students when he went to Iowa. Wow. So he's got a lot wow. of great faculty. He pulls in a lot of uh, you know other good people because it was a two week a year program, a low residency, and right. so he was able to get really superior faculty. And that was the thing that really drew me to the program. You know, I got to work. I worked with Susan Parabo, Nathaniel Rich, Steve Reinhardt, and David Payne, and uh, wow. there were all fantastic. We had uh, J- Jane Allison came in and, and lectured. Jenny O'Phil was part of the program. Uh, you know, it, it was that. It was the faculty was so good, and then it was the chance to make connections with folks who were very much outside my realm. That I, you know, that's what I was looking for there. So, how did you go? Did you go there shortly after finishing your undergraduate degree? No, actually, I had an undergraduate degree, a master's in communications. Wow. I spent ten years, yeah, ten ten years as adjunct faculty faculty teaching communications and public speaking to to community college students and university students. I spent another uh, bit of time working as a freelance writer. So I I wrote for um, for our local uh, business journal. (laughs) If you want to talk about a job. Okay, okay, so that's interesting. That's very interesting to me. Man, I'll tell you what, I had you pegged as a, just a, a undergraduate writing degree in English straight on to MFA, but no, you had what we call real life, if you want to call it that, in between. That is very interesting. So when you were going to, uh, when you went off to college as a young lass, did you think, I want to be a writer? You just thought, I'm not quite sure what I want to do. I just kind of want to talk to people. What was the plan? Was there a plan? You know, I, I, 
I desperately wanted to write. The truth is, my father was a writer. My father oh. was a was a, a street tough kid from Detroit who read a lot, who came to Louisville. My house, you know, my house when I well the apartment I should say when we were growing up was full of books. It was full of oh. psychology books and science books and philosophy, but lots and lots of fiction. In fact, right. when we were children, he actually read uh, Flannery O'Connor short stories to us as bedtime oh. stories. I mean, oh, you know. Oh no! I could scar you or help you. Horrifying! Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. And he wrote detective fiction. He created a detective based in Louisville, Kentucky, and he published a couple of detective fiction novels in the late '80s and early '90s. So I knew what I knew what the writing life looked like. It looked like you're sitting at the kitchen table with your typewriter while everybody else is out having fun. Yeah, but, you know, I really, I wanted to do it. I was drawn to it. I was really had, you know, a a sense of story, you know, based on the way I was brought up. But I'll be honest, I was really afraid to do it, uh, afraid to fail. Yeah. And so I was was in my, yeah, I was in my mid-30s before I said, if you're ever going to do this, you've got to do it, you know. Man, I'll tell you what, fear of failure, I have a chapter about that in a book I'm writing now, and I do think. Here's my theory on that, Ellen, that failure is death for the ego. So the ego sees failure as literally dying. Like if that happens, I don't matter. You know, sort of that egoic sense of the self that we can't have it happen because I will be of no value on this earth. Does that, I mean, it's dramatic, but I think that we kind of turn it into this horrendous thing to keep us from doing the thing we want. I really get that. And so, you know, my way to counter that, and this is my father was a bit of a gambler and he liked to play the horses. And, and right. my way to counter that was to was to begin to see it all as a bit of a roll of the dice, you know. Ah, and so okay. uh, and, and because I had a background in journalism, I was really used to submitting work. And so I became this person who was a really voracious sort of fearless submitter of work and who, when it rolled back to me, would 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 comfort myself with this idea that it is the right editor on the right day with the right yeah. piece, and that it had very little to do with my own inherent talent, you know, right. or lack of that, you know. Yeah, no. Uh, and so, oh, but that's yeah. the truth, though, Ellen. I got to say, I mean, it will help once you get your, you find your voice and find the stories you want to tell, and you know, you do have to learn some stuff. But once you get past that, it is, I think, the right editor and the right time. I absolutely. I know it. I don't even believe it. I just know it. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, I cut you off. What else were you going to add to that? Oh, oh, yeah. No, just, you know, that way I became, that way I became, you know, I I was able to do it. I was, but, and of course at first it hurt a lot, but, but as I continued to do that, it hurt less and less. And so I would take chances like sending the story, uh, religion from this collection. I sent it off to the Antioch Review. A year later, my phone rings. I mean, it was literally a year later. And the editor says, we want to take this story. Do you know how few pieces we take? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, and he said it appealed to him because it was satirical, and and uh, and so he was going to take it. And I said, well, there we go. You know, wow, um, wow, yeah, yeah. Wow. So when when okay, so um, so you're so you're 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 teaching. You're right. So it's like you're not you're 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 right. You're working with the spoken word, with the written word. So it's, you're 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 connected to writing in many different ways. 
um, yeah. during your professional life. Um, were you doing poetry and short stories sort of together, or was one more important to you than the other? Or did one, be, I, or did one know, come I, first? I, yeah, I cut my teeth on poetry. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, and I, I ended up sending pieces to very small literary journals and having right. those get picked up, and, and they were um, – and, and that the encouragement from that – was what gave me the courage to go forward and continue writing. And then I would go, I went to the Kenyon Review Writers Workshop. Yeah. I've been there probably five or six times in the summer, the wow. Antioch Writers Workshop. And the encouragement that I got there on the short story front was what kept me going with the short stories. And then ultimately I thought, I need a more uh, a more in-depth experience, and that's when I went for that MFA. Um, so, yeah, it was it was that way. It was poems first. And you know the kind of um, poems need to be so so concise, so compressed, yeah. and and they're yeah. so image. You know the image carries so much of the weight of the meaning, and all of that. And yeah. so it really taught me how to do that later in short stories. You know I learned first with the poems um, yeah. how to sort of play around with that. I I'll tell you what I I think everybody should do it however they want. But if I could, I would have everybody start with poetry. I just think that you learn. I, I, it taught me so much about writing um, yeah. in my poetry phase of my life I just that I still use to this day. I just think you learn about what is needs to be said and what doesn't need to be said and how to imply what needs to be said without saying. I just think it's invaluable in that way. Yeah, yeah. You also get a good sense of the rhythms of language and what Absolutely. works together and what doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, there's, you know, there are reams, and you have to be willing though to write that bad poetry. You know, I've had sure. some really bad poems, and sometimes when I'm writing about stuff I really care about, the more I care about the subject, the worse the poems are, the worse oh, they are. Why? So, what happens? Yeah. Well, why you know, is I, I wrote a. I don't know. I wrote a poem about my dad's about my dad dying, and the first version of it was really jokey. And I thought I think it was just one of those. This is too hot. I can't get right. as emotionally close as I need to here until I write this distant, sort of ironic yeah. version of it, and then I can work my way into the real thing. But boy, it you know it, it took me aback to see how really bad it was, and and the ways in which it really didn't even come close to approaching the, the experience. Right. Um, but I just kept at it, so. Yeah. Right. So you. So did you? So you've written a lot of short stories. You collect them into Lost Girls, which is this wonderful collection. Uh, short stories can can be longer or shorter. Yours are pretty damn short, which is I quite like. I gotta say, they just like a. You just get them in one delicious little bite. And uh, is that is that just where you natu- how you naturally gravitated? Tell me. Talk to me about that choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I really I tend to write short. I tend to be really comfortable with compression and yeah. and I really revel in the ability to dip into a story when it might be at its most interesting and to get out <laughs> as soon as people have seen what they need to see. You know, right. you're not gonna see me doing a lot of really elaborate scene setting or just you know, describing of of you know, say even a particular room, you know. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on the piece. If the stuff in the room is important to the character i'll go there but Thank but you. for me Thank you know you. yeah 
Yeah. Please. The thing is, it's, it's the character thing that's most important to me and the thing right. that sort of drives me, you know, zoning in on those situations and those moments where these important things happen and, and the peak intensity of those moments is also, I think, very appealing to me. Like I'm the kind of person who would go to church and sit in church and maybe not feel anything but be convinced that everybody else is really having a big religious oh. experience next to oh, me, okay. you know. So, right. so it is going – so I really – really do sort of value the ability of short stories to, to document those peak experiences. And, right. You and, just uh, you you find know, the moment and you just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. The moment. You know, you actually you said, interestingly, that so you, um, you talk about the, I guess it's, it's the title story was based on a, on a, loosely on an event that happened in your hometown, was it? Yes. Yeah. In, the, in my neighborhood, actually. Oh, um, when oh. I was 18. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. I, uh, I, I'd gone through this. I'd walked through a field to this mall where this girl was taken before. So I'd been on the actual ground where it happened. And, right. you know, it was really disturbing. Um, and, and yet the thing that kept sticking with me was, you know, how many people disappear and are never remembered again. Right. And so, um, you know, the thing about the story was figuring out a way to um for, for the gr- the character in the story was driven to find a way to remember the girl right right you know that's yeah. such an interesting moment you have this experience and how old were you when it when that happened i was 18 okay all right and how old was the girl she was 13 okay so it, you know you, you're young and you have this experience and you know it's like you know it it gets your attention and you and you want to just say I was in a town where a girl got abducted, where a girl disappeared. And like, that seems, but it's not enough. And then you got to find out what you do with it. And it seems like it should be yeah. simple, but it's not, it's not. Cause you don't even, cause to some degree, Ellen, it seems to me, we don't even know why we're interested in it. Really, really. Mm. We just know it's got our attention and we think it's obvious, right. but maybe it's, or I don't know, maybe it was obvious to you, but it never is to me. I think it is. And then it never, it's always something else. Well, yeah, and, and, and the thing is it won't go away, right? Is that the thing right. that happens with you? I mean, and then you're forced yeah. to deal with it some kind of way. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so you decided to – now, so the – it's called Lost Girls, and the girl of you know, girls and women of one age or another are prominent in all the stories, and you wanted to write about uh, kind of women making it through to – in one way or – well, some not making it through, but – to adulthood, um, women's experiences in general. But I mean, obviously, when you're writing these stories, you were probably just writing stories. You know, I finished that one. Now I'm going to start the next one. Or did you have in mind some grand scheme, Ellen, that you were going to then collect them all together? How did that work out? Yeah, my grand scheme was a completely th- a completely different thing altogether. My grand scheme oh, really? was that I had a I had a photographer, a male photographer who was at the center of all the stories, who was from oh. Boston, who who had traveled to Vietnam and taken pictures for a glossy magazine, came back at in, in, during the bicentennial. He was at loose ends, so he was going to travel through the South and take pictures of people. He lands in this fictional small town, which is the home of lost girls, Slocum, Kentucky, right. and he he begins to have encounters with these people. Well, right. you know, nobody was interested in my male photographer. Nobody, and I, and it occurred. I, I like that idea. I could, well, it, it sounds good. Anyway, it sounds good. Yeah, That's I don't. Different. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe there's something I can do with it at some point. Right. But 
but I realized that the women in the in the stories were more compelling than he was in many ways. Right. And right. so that's when I sort of pulled him out or toned him down and made the stories about the the women and the girls. And, you know, and that's when I realized that, you know, as a, as a writer, as a feminist writer, that I had sort of fallen into this trap, like the, my filter was going to be the male gaze to tell these stories of these right. women. And, you know, right. so I was sort of a bit horrified at my own uh, misstep there. But, you know, the opportunity, I, so I had some stories that involved him. I had some other stories I'd written that were standalones, but I knew when I got right. them all together that they would tell this sort of broad strokes uh, picture of the lives and the experiences of women and girls so uh, so oh, oh so so you actually did have a kind of a i mean you started this project even though you of course i'm sure you submitted the stories as you were working on them it wasn't simply that you were like okay i finished that story and i'm gonna write another story and I, oh look at this i've got 15 of them i suppose i should collect them you actually kind of kind of started with a idea sounds like yes yeah, oh, a linked collection. Of I was kind of joking. Absolutely. Yeah, I was no, joking. I, really I thought did. there's no way she had them. You did. Okay. Wow. Yeah. How yeah. ambitious of you. Okay. Well, uh, well, congratulations for actually for having an idea, and even though it changed, like going through this. I think I would suspect uh, Ellen for first collections of short stories. That's somewhat unusual. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not really sure. I'm not really privy to other people's processes, yeah. but 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 I know that for me, and you know, clearly inspired by uh, Elizabeth Strout and what she was able to pull off with Olive Kittredge, you know, clearly inspired right. by Sherwood Anderson and and his depiction of these somewhat twisty characters in this small town. You know, right. those were the things. Those were the things I went back to as I was putting it together. Right. right. It's an interesting thing. The difference between being in- you know, inspired by and really being inspired by, like, I remember there was a, a line in a Wallace Stevens poem. Just, it was, it was a poem. I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with Wallace Stevens. He, he wrote a poem called yeah. the man with the blue guitar. I liked it. I liked that long poem about the arts, but there was one line, just one line where he said, ticket, tack it, turn it true, bang it from a savage blue. And I just loved the bounce of that. I was a young fella. Listen, and I, I wrote yeah. a bunch of poems just, sort of inspired by what he did in that one line. Like, look what you can do. Look at the fun you can have. Yeah. Look at sound this way. And so there is a difference, I think, between being inspired by and imitating is what I'm driving in. It sounds right. like that's what right. It's, right. it's a fine line, but it sounds like you walked, you walked it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's true. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm inspired also by, you know, Ernest Hemingway and, and what he's right. able to do with so few words. But I don't know. I mean, but I can't do that kind of magic on the page. So there oh, we are. Hey, 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 hey. No, no, no. Don't even, don't even, don't you compare yourself. Don't you do that. He did his thing. You do your thing. I don't, I well, don't want to hear go. about it. I don't want to, I, you know, I like Hemingway. I liked him. Uh, a lot for a while, but you know, just a guy who wrote some stories. Right. That's, that's I, it. Oh, I appreciate oh, I'll that. I tell you, I'll tell you what. I think it's important. I, I, I really. This is my soapbox. Like nobody's king, nobody's queen. No, I don't care there if you, you won go. the Pulitzer. I don't give a damn. Nobody. So there, I'm off my soapbox. Uh, well, thank so, you. That's great. Uh, Ellen. So here you go. The book's out. I mean, a chapbook of poetry. I assume you did readings before the plague hit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love to do readings. And so, uh, you know, yeah, that was a big part of it. Um, Yeah. And and you're a public speaker. (laughs) You have a degree in uh, talking to people. 
and you taught it. So you were, so maybe please, you didn't there. I poetry brothers and sisters. There is a cadence you can fall into when you read poetry that I'm not going to make fun of now or imitate, but it can get a little, do you know the sing songy voice I'm, I'm referring to that poets can fall yeah. into? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't I know do. what, I don't know what happens there, but I assume you did not fall into that. It's just, I don't know one teaches them how to do it. So they just all do it, start imitating each other, I guess. I don't know what it is. Right, right. I mean, my, my, yeah, my guide poster, you know, don't take yourself too seriously to share this with people, you know, let's just do this. Yeah. 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 Well, and your stories make for great readings because, because it's easy, you know, listening to a reading is it can be done, but it can be tough. It's a different, it's a, you, you've got to pay attention, you know, and you're not reading it yourself. It's easier for me if I'm listening to someone while I'm reading what they're saying, but your stories are so compact. I, it gives the audience a chance to really experience, easily experience the whole thing. What do you think of that? Well, it, yeah, I think that's probably true. And, you know, it was really a revelation. I read the story Religion as my graduate reading when I graduated oh. from Queens. And Religion yeah. is the story of a uh, a virgin who thinks she's <laughs> yeah. going to a decoupage class and ends up right. in a breastfeeders meeting. It, that's the story that landed in, in uh, Antioch. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, when I wrote the story, and as I've read the story to myself, the parts of it that resonated with me were the loneliness and the sad parts. And I start to yep. read it aloud, and people were just absolutely losing it. You yeah. know, there's a line yeah. where I say when she returned to the club, and, and the whole audience roared with laughter. You know, they didn't anticipate that she was going to come right. back. And, right. and so it is. It's a real revelation when you're able to do that in front of a crowd and really get a sense for where where those notes hit, you know. Uh yeah, that is really interesting. Got, that is interesting to me, Ellen, because this is the nature of the artist, which is you have your. This, I tell my students this all the time, but this what you just relayed was a perfect. You know, I just I, I was just I just read that piece actually, just read it today again, and the religion. It's funny you should mention it, and I see that. But I was I, I, what I connect to was the quirkiness of it and the lonely and her lonely life, being a virgin mother in a way, right? So she's kind of the Mary. Right. Um, um, but there's your experience writing it, and then there's the experience of the art, of the audience, and you just don't know. You don't know what you're giving them sometimes, what they're going to take away, and it's almost always going to be different than what you take away. Right, right. And, and yeah, and you have to give yourself over to it, that they're going to bring yeah. whatever they bring to it. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, that's true of reviews also, and I've been blessed with oh, yeah. great reviews. But the truth is, you don't know how people are going to take it, and it's really not my business. You know, my no. business is to no. write the story. I love you that know. you said that. It's none of your business. It isn't. What people think of your stuff is you think it would be your business, but it's not. It's not our business. Right. We just write the thing. And uh, and so you've written this. And uh, congratulations, congratulations. I hope you're proud of it. It shows just a tremendous care and love. And so I hope you are happy with it. I'm I'm very pleased. It is. I, I tell people it is the book I was born to write. But the, you know the themes that I'm dealing with. The, all of this stuff is ground that I've walked in, maybe in very different sorts of ways. But this was a book that I was born to write. Uh, this yeah. is. These are the things I care about in the world, and and you know. So to have it out there has been absolutely fantastic, and to have it out there during you know the pandemic was a was a wonderful distraction from what was, was otherwise. 
been, yeah, just a terrifying, you know, flat out terrifying with, yeah. you know, time. So, yeah. Did you do any kind of live or, or Zoom type events for it? I did a lot of Zoom events. I, I did a I did a book launch with the writer Lee Martin, uh, where we were in conversation with each other. He uh-huh. his book uh, Yours Gene came out uh, roughly at the same time, and so we did that through my local bookstore. And I, then I've done just a myriad of Zoom readings and and podcast yeah. appearances and other things, and Instagram Live and Facebook Live things uh, I never dreamed nice, I would do. Nice, yeah. Hey. Things Look that you. require lighting, good lighting, yes. and uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's been an adventure for sure. Hey, it's fun, but now it's all kind of all that. Well, hopefully the Delta variant doesn't throw a monkey wrench into everything, and you'll get out there. But are you, you know, you're a writer? Are you? Uh, is a novel in your future? I I, I said I'd mention it. No pressure. It's not. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got I've got two what I consider really finished novels that are that are are done here. So I've got one oh. that I'm sending to independent presses. It's the story of a mother whose son has past life memory, whose very young son has past life memories oh. of Vietnam, oh. and wow. and it's told told in alternating chapters between the mother of the son and the soldier whose memories the son has. Right. Um, and it comes together at the end. I also have a, a novel that has to do with a young female astronomer who leaves Cleveland, leaves her mother behind. Her mother gets di- diagnosed with ALS. She says goodbye to her mother. She flies to Hawaii. She forms a romance with a coworker and also with a surfer who happens to protest against the telescopes being put on the mountaintops. And in addition to the love triangle and the sick mother, there is a celestial discovery that happens. See and how, so, uh, wait a minute. Ellen, yeah. you know what? I hope our listeners were listening. That was like grade A conference pitch to an agent. <laughs> you want to know what it should sound like? That was I have I have sat through a bunch of those trying to help people with it. I, I help out at these writers conferences, and that was yeah. that was that was distilled grade A pitching. Well done. That is not easy to do. What you just did there. Describe well, your I'll tell you, in there's a compelling manner. If there's an agent out there who's looking, because I'm currently unrepresented, and oh my I am God. pitching, agent. pitching, Jump pitching. On Jump on yeah. it, people. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, get it, get her while you can. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You'll get it yourself, an agent. Hey, you could. Hey, you could zoom in to the Pacific Northwest Writers Conference and probably find an agent here if you wanted to. Well, uh, there you go. I am. So I am inclined. writing that down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. You'll yeah. get your get an agent though. You'll, they'll find a good publisher for your stuff. Those sounds very interesting. And I feel like I feel like the photographer in some way influenced the book about the boy with the, the memory. It just feels like they were somehow vaguely connected with one another. You know, I'm not really sure, but I can tell you that both of those projects had me doing a deep dive on the Vietnam War experience, and yeah, and um, so. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean it's such compelling stuff and there were such, you know, so many folks who were who were very uh you know, I'm just going to use the word innocent who were who yeah. were pulled over there and then forced to deal with, you know, what was in front of them and uh right. and so there was so much to go on there. So, all right. Uh if people want to learn more about you, Ellen, if all these literary agents are writing down your name, where can they find out about you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm doing the social media thing. I've got a website which is ellenburkettmorris.inc. Uh, I've got I'm I'm on Facebook as Ellen Ellen Burkett Morris writer. I'm on Twitter as Burkett underscore Morris, and on Instagram at under Ellen Burkett Morris. So just made it okay. easy for people. It's just the name. <laughs> just right. Look Excellent. For Good for you. Yeah. Don't make it complicated. Yeah. Okay. Got one more question for you, Ellen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh gosh, that's such a wonderful thing. That's so challenging. You, you can know, do I mean, it. I, I, yeah, I think that I think that it's taught me, it's taught me that we're all, not to use a careworn cliche, but that we're all in the same boat. You know, writing has taught me that that we're all working the same ground, we're all taking the same journey, and uh, and and hopefully, you know, through compelling writing, we can help each other along the way. I like it. We are all in the same boat. I agree 100%. Ellen, thank you so much. You're a delight. Good luck with this book and finding publishers and representation for the next two, because I know you will. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take it easy. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Yes, people, we are. We're all in the same boat. We are. We're in it together. Like it or not, we're in it together. Yes, we are. We're dreaming our own dream but along with everybody else. Uh, I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. I will be back again next week with some delightful author. Don't know who, but somebody. Until then, go find something you love to do and do it.